The real thing about Christmas is like sharing and and singing and and loving and and and, and sharing. Do you think Christmas is good news or bad news? Good news because it's baby Jesus's birthday. Yes. Because baby Jesus is that's when his birthday is. With that, the baby Jesus loves us at Christmas Eve. It's good news because it's about good stuff. Christmas is good stuff because it's good news. Christmas is good news. For a broken world. That's the truth we'll see today from God's Word. Good news for a broken world. I doubt I have to convince you uh, that uh, even though there is a lot of good in the world, a lot of laughter in the world, a lot of uh, good things and kindness in the world, uh, the world is broken. It's a place that is filled with turmoil and tragedy, a place of darkness and disease and decay, even, even death. I want you to know, based on the Word of God, if you are here this morning and you are able to hear God's Word, then know this, Christmas is good news for you. It is good news for you. It's come to mean uh, so much. Christmas has come to include so much, so many gatherings and celebrations, so many parties and decorations and all of these things, gift exchanges. But as these kiddos reminded us this morning, it is... Uh, it is fun to give and receive presents. It is fun to, to open new things and to watch the faces of children light up. Even so, the greatest gift that you have ever received and that any child will ever receive is the gift of Jesus. We, we need to hear that once again. Even as people who sing Christmas carols and and claim to, to follow Christ and to believe the Word of God and gather and gather often and well, we need to be reminded that the greatest gift that any child has ever received or, or any man or woman, boy, girl, anyone will ever receive is the gift of Jesus Himself. Jesus is the reason for the season. Mark, the Gospel writer, wants us to know that the gift is here. Now look at Mark's gospel today, Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. And Mark begins with a sudden announcement, and he almost never slows down for 16 chapters. And by his speed with which he communicates his story, he signifies that the story he wants to tell calls for a response. It calls for action. Jesus is here. There's no time to waste. Come and see who he is and what he's done and celebrate him. Come and see the Savior and follow him. We are looking at stories of Christmas on December Sunday mornings here at Meadowbrook. And today we hear Mark's story of Christmas. And I'll uh, warn you as you open up God's Word to that chapter, Mark chapter uh, 1, that there are no shepherds or magi. There are no angels. There uh, is no census from Caesar or traveling to Bethlehem in Mark's account of this story. For those things, and they are true, we turn uh, to Matthew and Luke. But uh, Mark skips all that. Because he cannot wait to tell us that Jesus is here and he cannot wait to tell us who he is and what he's doing, what he's saying and why it matters for us. So let's hear from him. And as you find your place in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter one, let me uh, invite you once again to join me standing, uh, whether in body or in spirit, for the reading of God's holy word. 
Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8 is our text for today. The text that reads this way, Mark writes, he says, The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we come before you this morning and we give you thanks for your word. Give you thanks for your presence with us through your spirit. And Father, we pray that you would guide us now, that you would instruct us and shape us and encourage us and teach us and convict us according to your will. Lord, through the preaching of your word, we pray that our lives would be shaped by you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Let me begin by uh, asking you uh, a question. And I'm I'm going to pick on just a handful of folks this morning. So if you get upset, uh, send your complaint to the complaint. Uh, department, but uh, for the rest of you, uh, in, in a word or two, um, tell me what parents are for. In a word or two, what are parents for? Jeff, what are parents for? To raise your children in the ways of the West. More than one or two. That's good, though. To raise your children in the ways of uh, um, uh, Mike, what are parents for? Support. Bill, what are parents for? Yeah, we got more than one bill. Love, there we go. Jerry, what are parents for? To model. Mr. Perkins, what are parents for? What are parents for? To teach children how to live. That's good. We could go on and on. We could add to this list. I, I hear some, some different uh, terminology, some different wording, but I think uh, all that is being said is in agreement. We're, we're saying the same thing in, in different words. And likewise, uh, church, there are four gospel writers in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and they are saying the same thing in different words. Uh, they are writing with the same general aim to tell who Jesus is and why he matters. They are in agreement. And yet they are writing uh, in different ways, highlighting different details from differing perspectives. For example, Matthew commences with a genealogy. Luke begins his gospel by uh, unpacking a a detailed account of the birth of Christ. Uh, John begins his gospel uh, with a theology of creation and incarnation. But uh, Mark jumps full speed ahead into Jesus' ministry. Verse 1, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. No time to waste. Uh, Mark's message is totally about Jesus, it's news to proclaim, it's news to share, but it's not brand new news. My wife Ashley was telling me uh, this week that when she was 
uh, in high school. Her, her, her mima, her grandmother, uh, made a handmade uh, quilt for all of her, her grandchildren upon high school graduation. And so Ashley was anticipating this. She saw the un- other grandchildren uh, receive this. She was the youngest of the grandkids. She saw her older uh, brother receive this. She knew that it took quite some time and it was dependent upon that accomplishment. And once she did, uh, this project that had been in the works for a while was complete and she received it. In a similar way, those of you that were here last Sunday night as, uh, as our, with, with, to see our Images of Christmas music program, uh, you saw some images on the screen of some artistic renderings that were unfolded piece by piece, picture by picture, until you saw the full gamut. None of those were created in uh, a minute. None of those, I, I dare say, were created in an hour. A picture was made, and it took a process to get there. And likewise, Mark wants us to know that this is something significant, that the birth of Jesus is something significant. It's, it's a new piece of this story, but it's not a brand new piece. It's something that has been predicted. It's something that's been proclaimed. It's something that's been foreshadowed. Mark wants us to know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is the good news promised by God. That this has been in the works for a while, and now it is here. Jesus is the good news Promised by God. In a sense, the coming of Christ is the beginning of good news. Mark shouts, the gift is here. Come, behold the arrival of Jesus the Messiah. But you know what? In another sense, in an equally true sense, the arrival of Jesus in Bethlehem is not the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, for the beginning of such good news is anchored in the promises of God given long ago through his prophets. Mark says, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. So Mark is saying that the long-awaited one that the Jews anticipated has arrived, he is here. In Jesus, the Messiah is here. And his arrival on the scene in Bethlehem and then ultimately in Nazareth and throughout Galilee and Judea, his arrival on the scene is momentous. It's significant. It's earth-shaking. But it is not the beginning of something totally new for as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. In other words, if Mark was here to speak to us This morning, I think he would want to remind us that Christmas 2019 matters because the Son of God arrived in the land of Palestine some 2,000 years ago. It was Christmas today. For us, it, it is significant. It matters, but it's not to be understood in isolation. The reason it matters is because the Messiah came. But I don't think he would stop there. I think Mark would would go on and that he would want us to know that Jesus' birth and ministry in ancient Palestine matters because some four and a half centuries before that, Malachi prophesied about it. And some 250 years before Malachi, Isaiah spoke of this. Both Isaiah, 700 B.C., and Malachi, 450 or so B.C., prophesied about a messenger who would prepare the Jews to receive the Messiah by preaching a message that would call them to repentance and to turn to God. Mark says, John the Baptist is that messenger. Mark chapter 1, verse 4, And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. 
In other words, this is just the unfolding of God's plan that began long, long ago when God promised an offspring through Eve uh, who would crush the head of Satan, one who would defeat the devil, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And one through whom all the nations of the peoples of the earth would be blessed, Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. And one whose kingdom would last forever and ever and ever, Second Samuel chapter 7, verse 16. One who would judge the nation, Psalm 110, verse 6. One who would be called Emmanuel, Isaiah 7, 14. One who would be known as the Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9, 6. One who would be pierced for our transgressions, Isaiah 53, verse 5. The one who would give salvation to everyone who calls on his name, Joel chapter 2, verse 32. Mark is shouting to us, he is here. He has arrived. The gift is here. Jesus is the good news promised by God. Behold him. Behold him. Look to him. Stop here. Don't don't look any further, he's saying. He is here. He has arrived. This is the one. John Piper reminds us that God is the gospel. He says, the best and final gift of the gospel is that we gain Christ. We get him. A relationship with him. Paul the Apostle agrees. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, he says, I consider everything a loss Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Nothing else matters. The rest of it can be lost because this is greater. This is more, uh, this is more worthy. This is uh, more valuable. Knowing Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. I want more of him. Mark says, come and see Jesus. Just don't overlook him. Don't miss him. He's arrived. He is here. The gift is here. Behold the gift of God. Believe the promises of God. He is faithful. And here is a sign of his faithfulness. Jesus, the Messiah. He is here. To behold is to observe. It's to look. It's to take in. It's to see. Mark essentially says, you want some good news. Look no further than Jesus himself. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. What does this mean? What does it mean for us? What does it mean this Christmas? We do know this, but it means that the best gift is not in a box. It means the the best gift is not in a present wrapped under a Christmas tree. The best gift is not a paycheck or a a bonus, or a vacation. It's not even family gathered together around the table. It is Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. He is the gospel. He is the greatest news, His arrival. So friend, don't look for something or someone else to do for you what only Christ can do for you. Your spouse cannot save you. Your children cannot save you. Your career cannot save you. Your money cannot save you. Your possessions cannot save you. Uh, John the Baptist, as important and, um, and impressive and faithful as he was with crowds flocking to hear him and to see him, says essentially, I can't do for you what he alone can do for you. Says verse 7, after me comes the one more powerful than I. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. He says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Friends, not only is Jesus the good news promised by God, but Jesus is God himself. He's God himself. 
the fullness of the deity in bodily form. That's how Paul describes him in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. He is, as we saw last week from Matthew's account, fully God and fully man. So somehow, in some miraculous, mysterious way that we cannot fully comprehend or understand, the Lord God, the long-awaited divine king who would rescue his people, this one, the Lord God and Jesus of Nazareth, they are somehow one and the same person. Jesus is God himself, which means he is mighty over all. He is mighty over all. Incomparable, unmatched. John the Baptist, the messenger sent by God to prepare the way for Jesus, proclaims, he says, after me comes one more powerful than I, one whose sandals I am not even worthy to stoop down and untie. Friends, in the ancient Jewish world, to untie a master's sandals was reserved for a slave. It's not something everyone was signing up for. In fact, in the Hebrew world, this was not even something that Hebrew slaves engaged in. This was reserved for foreign pagan slaves, Gentile slaves. And John is saying here, I am not even worthy to hold such a position or place when it comes to this one, the Messiah. Unworthy to touch the Lord. That's what we are. Stained by our sin. Guilty of cheating, lying, lusting, guilty of pride and rebellion. Unworthy to come near the Holy One. And yet, church, He has come near to us. He has stooped down to save us. To serve us. Saying for even He did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. The one who is mighty over all is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. And he has come near to save. He's come near to give us a gift, to gift us saving grace. Christmas is good news for a broken world, for it's news of the coming of God himself to us, the incomparable, all-powerful Lord himself taking on skin and bones. Taking a a liver and and lungs. Being made with a, a back and a bottom. A head and a heart. Feet and fingernails. This is strange stuff. And yet this is what God has done. He has done this to save us. Friends, in Jesus, God came to save us from our sins. Wearing sandals, verse 7. And yet the Lord, verse 3. He came to rescue us and to transform us by His grace. That's what John means. When he says he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That those who turn to him receive his spirit. A sign of salvation and a worker of sanctification in us. Inward transformation by God's grace. So John comes and he practices baptism. Slightly different understanding of baptism than what we practice today. But he comes practicing an external outward act of washing, cleansing. But the Holy Spirit whose presence was promised by Christ and the prophets resides in all who turn to Jesus in faith. Implying that Jesus Himself mediates the very presence of the Most High God to us and in us and among us. And of course He does. For He is God Himself. And Paul, the Apostle, would state it this way in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22. He said, And in Jesus, you too, 
believers, you too church, Jews and Gentiles who come to faith in Christ, you too are, are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. This is what Christ Jesus does. And He saves. Same chapter, different verse. Ephesians 2, verse 8, Paul writes, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. He says, this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Church, the gift is here. What the Son of God has enjoyed for all eternity, He has come to offer you and to offer me. And the words of a four-year-old Christmas is good stuff. It's good news. Christmas is good news, so receive the good news. Friend, receive the good news. Receive it by hearing the message of the Savior's arrival. By hearing the the news of God's coming, that the one who is mighty over all and mighty to save has indeed come near to save. He has stooped down in a real place, in real time, in human history to perform the greatest act of love ever known. He has come to save you and to save me, to gift us eternal life. So take and celebrate the gift. Take the gift. Celebrate the gift. Soon Mark would write, just a few verses later, he would record the very words of Jesus himself, where Jesus said in Mark 1.15, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is how you take the gift. To repent and believe is to turn and trust. It's to turn from self and toward Jesus, to express remorse for sin and a desire to follow Christ as Savior and Lord. Take the gift. The gift that is offered to whosoever will believe in Christ. Receive the gift. The gift of life. The gift of reconciliation. The gift of forgiveness. The gift of salvation and eternity with Him. Take the gift. Confess your sin and cry out to Jesus to save you. Take the gift. And then, believer, celebrate the gift. Celebrate the gift. Church, we have reason to celebrate and rejoice in the midst of whatever we are facing in this life. We have good news. We have heard good news of great joy. A Savior has been born. And on this side of that truth, we know that He has come and He has accomplished salvation for us on the cross of Calvary. He is alive and well. His church is growing and He will come again for His people from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Take the gift. Celebrate the gift. Worship the Savior. It's Christmas time. Celebrate this Christmas. Christmas is good news for a broken world. Friend, is it good news to you? Would you bow with me? Lord God, we do acknowledge this morning that the gospel is good news. That the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem is good news for us. Lord, we acknowledge this morning your goodness and your mercy, your patience and your plan. Lord, you do not treat us as our sins deserve. We have turned from you. We have rebelled against you. We have gone our own way time and time again. And yet, 
Even so, knowing that this would be the case, Lord, you sent your son. You planned long ago, before the foundation of the world, before any of us were born, you, you, you thought of us. And Father, you made a way for, for you to remain just, true to character, holy, perfect, righteous, a mighty and sovereign judge, and yet justify us, declare us righteous and innocent through the birth, life, death, and resurrection of, of Jesus, our substitute. Father, may we celebrate Him now. May we celebrate Christ in our hearts, in our heads, in our lives, with our mouths, with our hands, with our feet. May we worship You today. May we celebrate Christ this Christmas. And Father, I pray that You would move in our hearts now. Stir us. Or stir us to adore You, for You are worthy. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.